Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Can do better than that. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Yeah, that's nice. So a quick recap of the book of uh, Revelation till what we have done till now. I told you that Revelation chapter 1 is uh, talking about the revealed Christ, the revealed Christ and the chapter 1 is divides the book into three portions. One what is one what what you have seen what is and what is to take place what you have seen is what is john shown the revealed christ what is is a letters to the seven churches and what is to take place is from chapter 4 onwards the rest of the book of revelation amen so chapter 1 is about the revealed christ chapter 2 and 3 are messages to the seven churches chapter 4 and 5 are the entirely heavenly description and worship and chapter 6 is when jesus is the one who is found worthy to open the seals open the seals and in chapter 6 we will see the seal number 1 2 3 4 5 and 6 being opened the totally seven seals but the first six seals are opened in chapter in chapter 6 and it is here that the tribulation will be taking place and this tribulation involves the people of god and the people who don't believe in god everyone will go through this tribulation and before the seventh seal is open the seventh seal is opened in you know chapter 8 before that god does a beautiful thing he does the marking of the 144000 people that is the sealed on their forehead with the name of god the father and god the son it's sealed on their forehead so this 144000 people are sealed and the moment they are sealed then the rapture takes place rapture means all those who believe in christ are instantly in heaven so after that when we speak after that it is the wrath of god what we speak is the wrath of god when the seventh seal will open it is a wrath of god and in the wrath when the wrath is poured down it will not be any of the believers will not be present here on earth but this destruction will happen to all the unbelievers to the atheists to who refuse to accept jesus as a lord god and savior so the opening of the seventh seal was uh, when we saw in chapter 8 and this is what i taught to you about last time the wrath of god being poured down onto all the people who have been left behind and you can see there are seven angels and each of them are given a trumpet and as one each angel starts blowing a trumpet a particular set of wrath is goes down onto the people so we read about the first second third and fourth trumpets were were blown at that time and after the fourth trumpet was blown by the fourth angel then we saw that a huge eagle was flying in the skies and this eagle was crying wo wo and wo to the inhabitants of the earth at the blast of the other trumpets so there are totally seven trumpets and four trumpets have already been blown so today we come to the teaching of the blowing of the trumpet of the fifth angel so chapter 9 we will start today yeah chapter 9 verse 1 and the fifth angel blew his trumpet and i saw a star fallen from heaven to earth and he was given the key to the shaft of the bottomless pit okay so the moment the fifth angel blew this trumpet what do you see you see i saw who is that i john saw 
John saw a star that had fallen from heaven to earth. Means he is not seeing in his presence or in front of him a star falling down. He didn't see it's happening then. It had, means the star had already fallen down from heaven and he sees that particular star. The star could be an angel. Now who is this angel or the star? I will explain at the end of the chapter. You will come to a proper understanding of who this particular star is. But this star has been given the key of the bottomless pit. He has been given to the key to the shaft of the bottomless pit. Now how you will understand the meaning of a shaft? A shaft means like a tunnel. Like suppose if you think of a tunnel and uh, the entrance to the tunnel, there is a covering. And once you open the open the covering, then whatever is inside can come out or if someone wants to enter in, the shaft is the way through through reaching it out. So this is a huge bottomless pit means there is no bottom to it. There is nothing that, okay, this is the end of the pit. It is bottomless. And bottomless usually refers to either it is hell or Hades. It is the pit, the end, the destruction. That is That place is called as Hades or hell or bottomless pit. And that has got a shaft and what he sees that, so definitely has a key. That has a key. And that key is been given by, who gives the key? Is probably Jesus is the one. Nobody else has the authority. He only was given the authority to open the seal itself. So Jesus is giving the key to this particular angel to go and open the shaft of the bottomless pit. Verse 2. He opened the shaft of the bottomless pit and from the shaft rose smoke like the smoke of a great furnace and the sun and the air were darkened with the smoke from the shaft. So when immediately that the angel opens the shaft and from the shaft from under the like the tunnel from the bottomless pit smoke comes out. Smoke not like like from a chimney. If you imagine a chimney and you can see the smoke which comes out when you're cooking or you know making in the house, in the kitchen, the smoke which comes out. But this smoke is not like a small chimney. This is a huge massive smoke that is arising because the smoke has spread right up to the top, covers the entire place with smoke and it also darkens the sky. It darkens the sun. So everything in that vicinity is darkened. Have you heard of uh, you know forest fire, mountain fires and all? When you uh, see the videos and clips of it, you can see that the entire place is you know totally grey, black, there's nothing that visibility is there. But when you leave that place, the remaining place becomes clear. But here the distance that the smoke reaches that is reaches up to the sun. Up to the sun. That much of smoke is coming out from the tunnel, from the bottomless pit. Huge amount of, the moment the angel just opened the shaft, huge amount of smoke is just gushing out, fills the place and goes, completely darkens the place and goes right up to the sun and the sun also is darkened by this, by the smoke. Yeah. Then from the smoke came locusts on the earth and they were given power like the power of scorpions of the earth. Now locusts are what basically? Locusts are like, you know, you've seen grasshoppers? They're just migrating grasshoppers. Sometimes here we see few locusts, some grasshoppers here and there, you know, perching, they don't do much of a trouble to us. But imagine, thousands and millions of grasshoppers, 
they are migrating together as one colony of them as a swarm of grasshoppers and what do they normally do they go and sit down on the vegetations on the on the crop and they completely destroy the crop means they make it to like suppose you had a good crop and your garden or your you know your acres of land you're growing some vegetables you're growing some rice wheat and everything paddy and all that stuff and that is blooming and everything good but the moment this locust come and sit over there they will make it into bare it will be dead next thing you go to your garden you will be shocked to see the amount of destruction that the grasshopper can do and that is just a simple grasshopper but the locust that we are talking over here are not the locust that we see on earth not the locust that we imagine on earth to be even small tiny insect which is you know which has got this few claws and just uh, flying it's not like that here we have they are comparing the locust to scorpions they are comparing locusts to scorpions and later on you will see that they are compared to horses so we are taken from a small thing they are compared to a scorpion which is little bigger than a locust and now it is compared to a horse which is huge which is massive if you see the size of one grasshopper and see the size of a uh, of a horse there's a great difference to that and what was the uh, uh, you know the authority that was given to the locust the same authority that was given to a scorpion so what is the authority that is given to a scorpion to sting what is the nature of a scorpion is to sting like the nature of a snake is to bite so the nature of a scorpion is to sting like bees also sting the nature of a scorpion is also to sting how many of you have seen scorpions in your life everybody must have seen yeah been bitten also oh praise god sister scorpion bite it is a very 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 painful bite in a painful bite but does not usually cause death very rarely it can cause death but mostly does not cause death but the bite is very painful extremely painful that sting is very painful when we were staying in assam no that was a place where you were full of snakes and uh, scorpions so every day before you go to bed uh, my dad would check all the doors and they have special places you know extra uh, wooden pieces are you know they are jammed to the bottom so that the scorpions wouldn't enter into the house so there it's uh, like how you see little rats and all are over here the scorpions are commonly seen on those places so the nature of a scorpion is to bite to sting so the same way even this locust have been given the the authority to sting the people i go to revelation chapter 9 verse 4 but something they were given an instruction they were told not to harm the grass of the earth or any green plant or any tree but only those people who do not have the seal of god on their foreheads so they are given an instruction so that angel who opened the pit is their king is their is their army commander or chief in charge and he is giving them the instruction that basically what is the job of a locust to destroy the plantation they don't touch human beings or anything else but here you are not supposed to touch any of the green plantation or any of the green grass or any of the things that you normally destroy but you have to you are given the authority to sting the people those who do not have the seal on their forehead so that was the reason why those 144000 people were sealed i told you the identity of this 144000 people so that these 144000 people will not go through that pain they have been sent onto the earth to preach the gospel 
so they escape the punishment similar to like the times of uh, the egyptians the israelites when they applied the blood of the lamb all the egyptians household was saved but the egyptians themselves their children the first born child died so same way here the seal was put on the 144000 people who have been sent from heaven down to stay here but these 144000 escape the punishment but the remaining of the mankind all the atheists all the unbelievers all who did not accept jesus as a savior would be stung by the scorpion verse 5 they were allowed to torment them for 5 months but not to kill them and their torment was like the torment of a scorpion when it stings someone so what was the what were they were told to do that you are giving you freedom go and torment go and torture go and torture the people and for how long you can torture 5 months that roughly is around 150 days 150 days you have been given the authority to go and torment or torture those people and this is that uh, but you will not kill them you will only torture them but you will not kill them means you cannot take their life they cannot die and the torture was like a torture of a scorpion when it stings someone and in those days people will seek death but will not find it they will long to die but death will free from them now imagine suppose you are in a war suppose there is a war this they have declared war on you know in bangalore city and they have said there is going to be a war and you know so and so people are coming against you so would you like to face your uh, enemy during the day or during the night night why nigel do the night so you sleep and the enemy just doesn't see you and he crosses over no he is come to fight so what would you like to face your enemy during the day or during the night during the day preferably why because you can see them coming at least you know they are coming now you can decide whether you will fight or you will flee only two reactions human beings do flight or flight is flee or sorry fight or flight fight or flight so either you stand and fight the enemy or you flee from there or you flight from there so that is the same thing you stand and fight or you run away so if you see them coming you decide what to do i hide over here hide over there jump the wall or do at least you see them coming but if they are coming in the darkness in completely pitch dark you don't know where they are coming from what will you do then what will you do you cannot do anything it will be so horrific an event and this is what is going to happen those 150 days it's not that it is going to be bright because i told you the smoke has gone right up to the skies the sun is completely darkened because of the smoke that has come from this bottomless pit and it is dark and from this darkness are coming all these ugly horrific creatures which i'll explain later on and you cannot even predict at what time they will come and they will sting you and these will not come in through your open door they'll climb in through your chimney they'll open in come in open through your windows or doors or any gap is there they will charge in at any time and their job is to continue to sting so once they sting you you get that pain you remember so the bee stings you know the intense pain lasts for some time then the pain kind of nags off a little time and probably after you take medicines and a couple of days inflammation goes up and you are better but doesn't happen with this kind of a scorpion bite that they will sting and stop and even before you can recover from that shock of been bitten by a by a scorpion you get bit again you get bit again you get bit again and it will be not one it's an army of locusts that are coming into your house and there is no place that you can 
hide. There is no way that you can go, okay, let me go lock up in the bathroom and, and then none of the locals are going to come and let me go under the bed, let me go hide over there. There is no place that any person can go and hide at that point of time. And the darkness will make it even more worse for the people who are present over there. And uh, we, when we come to verse 7, we get the appearance of this locust. In appearance, the locusts were like horses prepared for battle. On their heads were what looked like crowns of gold. Their faces were like human faces. Their hair like women's hair and their teeth like lion's teeth. They had breastplates like breastplates of iron and the noise of their wings was like the noise of many chariots with horses rushing into the battle. So the description of the locust is given here. We started that it was like a, like a grasshopper and then they said it has got the it's got the character of a scorpion but here is the actual description of how uh, how this uh, locust look like they look like horses equipped for battle have you seen in the old movies where you know we go into war and the war scene comes and you see the horses which are taken into the war so how do they come they come armored you see the the face of the horse is armored you know and then you see the leg they'll be wearing a metal shoe which is called as a horseshoe which is actually nailed into the feet so that they help solid grip and they would not slip and go away they would have solid grip and over the bodies would be thrown a huge rug in the back so that the soldier or the um, the one who's going to fight the battle is able to sit and that particular rug also will have a lot of uh, places where they'll keep their armors in that you understanding that is a horse that is taken for battle it is completely armored so these locusts also completely armored they are just not coming as a scorpion or coming just as a grasshopper they are huge horses battle horses battle horses are the best breed of horses because they have to be the best in strength best in vitality best to do things in the speed so if you have you know the regular horses that you see over here they will not be able to face so many horses charging against you, they will get scared and run away. So the best, the best of the best are the ones which go to battle, the strong ones. So here, this locusts are also all extremely strong. They are not weak ones, they are strong and they are also armored. And he describes that there is something like a crown. It's not a crown. Wherever you read this scripture over here, it is like a crown. So there is something pointed thing which is placed on the on their uh, head, their faces are like human faces. They look like, they don't look like horses. They have human faces and they have long hair. Long hair signifying women's hair. Women are supposed to have long hair, not the men. That is the biblical thing. And everybody when I tell that, then they say, no, Jesus also had long hair. You know, so, okay, so women are the one who are supposed to have long hair. So these also have long hairs and they have the teeth like a lion. A lion, you know, when it gets its prey, how it just pushes its teeth into the prey and takes off, you know. That is like the entire chunk of meat comes out in its mouth. That is so sharp and it is so forceful and it has got so much of a grip that it will take it. So that kind of this locust it is. It has got the shape of a horse. It's got the face of a human being. It's got the hair like a woman. And it has got a teeth like a lion. So, and also about that they say, they had scales like iron breast. Now when I was teaching you on the armor in spiritual warfare, I showed you a description of the breastplate and the breastplate of a spiritual warrior. And that I told you on top of the breastplate, they had a lot of scales, like the fish scales. If you imagine a fish 
with the scale on it like when you scrape off that kind of scales and that is not that is not made up of you know thin it's metal scales are there so when you think about scales like if you think of an animal which has got a scale you can think about like a um like a pro, like prawn which is very small one or you can think of a crab or you can think of a snail it has got a external shell and that shell could be removed and then the then the animal the body of the animal or the flesh of that animal is completely exposed you understand that becomes and that can be squashed or killed as long that the shell was there that was its protection and it would go on hide inside the shell if it sees like okay somebody is going to come against me or he can see any enemy approaching it immediately goes inside the shell and gets locked up and it so it looks like a stone so the enemy just goes off so that is the exoskeleton like it's like an extra skeleton outside his body but this exoskeleton can be removed it can be removed exposing the actual true body inside so when you see the scales of these uh, locusta it's so i'll just read it again they had scales like iron breast plates so if you imagine you have this locust coming all against you you say okay let me go kill them so you take your broomstick you take your you know whatever weapons you got you got your rod or anything and you try and smash and squish or you stand over that and you whatever you try to do it's a horse you can't stand over it whatever you try to do it is so strong it will not die nothing can kill that you might even take your gun and you can take your gun and shoot it or do whatever those creatures cannot be killed that will be the nature of the locust that day and when they are approaching that place you know when they are approaching the place the noise will be the like the noise of many chariots with horses rushing into battle have you gone to any mountain time like in a mountain like a very calm and quiet go to the top of the mountain and if it's a warm and a humid day as the sun sets you know you will hear the sounds of many animals in the night and that sound you no know, suddenly which was you never heard before now you will see the entire environment or the entire atmosphere is filled with those different kinds of sounds and it is so amazing to hear the sounds and that is the sounds of the small 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 screeches in between maybe you hear a wolf screaming or you hear something else but the sound is kind of limited which you can deal with but when this locust are approaching you it is like they are flying and the sound will be like thousands of them you know the wings are just flapping and they're coming down in total it will be like a terrifying noise when they are coming to land and they can land anywhere into anybody's place anybody's rooftop anybody's house no you know you can have your guards you can have your security you can have iron walls you can put whatever to barricade you but it can go through any place it will enter there will be not a single place that they will not be able to reach and they also say that they have tails like scorpions with stings and in the tails is their power to harm god's people for 5 months so for 5 months the people who are left behind on earth who have not been raptured will go through this entire torture by this locust they will cry kill me you know there are a lot of people when they go through a lot of pain in the body they are in coma they go through a lot of uh, years and years of struggle they are unable to do anything they literally beg the doctor kill me it's better let me go why should i live this kind of life life is not a blessing for me not a blessing for anybody in this world and i am a burden on anybody so let me just go let me die when they reach to the end of themselves here they will literally desire because one scorpion bite is over it's finished bit again bit again maybe not one you're bit by 
10 20 30 40 50 i don't know how many of them are going to bite you and the pain is excruciating burning pain which doesn't stop and this is going to go on for 150 days and people will beg to die but not one of them will die they will not be even given the peace to die like is if i'm dead at least this horror ends with me it will not be given to them they will have to go through this fire of pain of excruciating pain for the next 150 days amen then we come to the part 11 where we'll get the name of the who's the who's this who's this angel so verse 11 they have as king over them the angel of the bottomless pit his name in hebrew is abaddon and in greek he is called apollyon okay so we get the name of this angel of the bottomless pit and the old testament the bible was written in hebrew so in the Old Testament, this angel is called as Abaddon. And the New Testament, it was written in Greek. And in Greek, it is called as Apollyon. Both are the same name for the single angel. And the word Abaddon or Apollyon means destruction. It means what? Destruction. So if you take the Old Testament, open up the entire Bible of the Old Testament. And wherever the word destruction comes in English... If you look at the Hebrew translation, it will be Abaddon. Wherever the word destruction comes, you go back and do it as a, you know, as a research. Look at wherever the word destruction is coming in the Old Testament, it will come as Abaddon. And wherever the uh, word is coming as destruction, in the New Testament, in English, we read as destruction. But if you read it in the Greek, you, you just type Greek translation, it will come as Apollyon. It will come as Apollyon. So both these uh, Abandon and Apollyon are the name of the same angel. It's the name of one angel. It is called as Abandon or Apollyon. And this angel is mentioned is the angel of the bottomless pit. So the angel which we start in the starting of Revelations chapter 9 when we said that the key I saw a star that had fallen from heaven to earth and he was given the key to the shaft of the bottomless pit is the same angel that you see over here who is called Abandon and Apollyon. Now many, 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 many teachers teach that Abandon and Apollyon or thing are the other names for Satan. That it is Lucifer himself. It is Lucifer himself. It is Lucifer who was fallen and to Lucifer only was given the key of the bottomless shaft. Now we actually think about it. If you are going to war, you are going to war and the commander in chief has some important uh, you know uh, work to be performed whom would he trust would he trust his own general or would he trust his enemy's general his own general it makes more sense if i am going somewhere or i have an army or an important task to do i would give the keys suppose okay i'm traveling somewhere i'm not going to be in bangalore for some time i'm not there for a week or two weeks who would i give the keys of my house to someone whom i trust very much like if my family is not there if all of us are traveling probably i would trust it with a close relative or a close family member i would not go and give it to any xyz who lives on the road will i do that I would not do that. And if I have, you know, priceless things in my house, I would trust someone whom I know. Someone whom I know will take care of my house in the proper way. So it makes more sense if Jesus has to give the key to someone, he would give the key of the bottomless shift, not to Lucifer. Why would he give the key to Lucifer? Why would he ask Lucifer to do his work? 
would he ask lucifer to do his work he would not ask lucifer to do his work so abandon and apollyon are both the same angel and they are all working for god the father god the son god the holy spirit they are the good angels who are responsible for the bottomless pit now always people think like when we describe you know when we have learned as children we have grown up that god is the king over the heavens and lucifer is the king over the hell that is what everybody has that perception has been there the children's the movies the stories and everything goes around okay you are in heaven god is your father and he is the authority and in hell it is now lucifer is in charge and he is the one who is going to harm you and punish you but that is not the truth lucifer is not the king of he is not the king of hell see revelation chapter 1 when the first time i taught you revelation 1 verse 18 One verse eighteen, he says that do not be afraid. I am the first and the last, and the living one. I was dead, and I and see, I am alive forever and ever, and I have the keys of death and of Hades. So, who has the keys? Jesus is having the keys of death and of Hades. So, who is the ruler of the house? Who is the ruler of death? Who is the ruler of Hades or the bottomless pit? It is Jesus who is the ruler. Lucifer is not king there. Lucifer is going to be among the one of the person who is going to be punished in hell like all the people who don't believe in god and who go in for eternal destruction and they go there and they are punished there in the similar way even Lucifer too will be punished there he is not going to be standing there as a authority and punishing other people are you getting he is not going to be an authority the authority of heaven and of earth and everything under the earth of the hell of the bottomless pit and everything that you see everything authority is only god understood hell lucifer is not the owner of hell did you understand please make it clear because you will see so many people teaching you a wrong doctrine you can't glorify lucifer as the king of hell so they say i'd rather spend you know my time with a known villain than to go to an unknown god like you know like many people make that so you cannot he is not going to be there and punishing you he will be be punished i'll teach you and who will punish him when we go to revelation 20 you will see later on it will be abandon an apollyon who will bind him and put him into hell so will a general suppose now abandon and apollyon are like the like uh, god is god, the commander in chief they are the next army general like will the army general actually hold his own head and put his own men his own commander and put him into hell no will he put his own commander into hell he will not put because i will for you to little understand I'll t- you take revelation 20 because you're all looking at me so i'll make it easy so revelation 20 it will come then i saw an angel coming down from heaven holding in his hand the key to the bottomless pit and a great chain are you understanding yes. angel coming down he has a key he has a key to the bottomless pit and a great chain he seized the dragon who's the dragon the ancient serpent it is explained there he seized the dragon the ancient serpent who is the devil and satan these are the names of devil devil satan dragon and the ancient serpent and bound him for a thousand years and threw him into the pit and locked and sealed it over him so this abandon or apollyon that's the same name 
that is the angel that god gives the authority to seize satan to bind him in a chain and throw him into the pit and seal the pit did you get it so abandon or apollyon is not is not lucifer it is not satan this is an angel of god who is doing the work that god asked him to do did you understand so the first woe has passed there are still two woes to come i told you when we read about that what did the angel say woe 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 said how many times three times, three times signifying three woes so the first woe has passed and what is the first woe the locust came down and they are given the authority to sting but not to kill so now we come to verse uh, 13 then the sixth angel yeah, just before sorry 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 so just before i go to verse 13 i would like you to everything which has happened over here there is a prefiguration in the old testament and it is so beautiful you go to the book of joel chapter 2 and when you read chapter 2 the entire thing that is described in joel 2 is the same thing that is happening over here so i'll read it a little fast for you and then you will understand but you mark it and go back and read again blow the trumpet in zion sound the alarm on my holy mountain let all the inhabitants of the land tremble for the day of the lord is coming it is near the day of the lord is coming means the end is coming and it is near so joel is speaking not today he spoken years ago and when he is speaking when you know when you read all those things you should always remember it signifies two things one is an immediate judgment to the people who are present over there and also a prefigurement of what is going to take place in complete totality in the book of revelation are you understanding so joel is talking about there is going to be what he is speaking there is going to be some amount of punishment given to the people there at that time but also the complete fulfillment of it is in the book of revelation so he is saying for the day of the lord is coming it is near a day of darkness and gloom a day of clouds and thick darkness like blackness spread over the mountains the same which i told the smoke a great and powerful army comes their like has never been from of old nor will again nor will be again after them in ages to come means you are an army is going to come which nobody has ever seen and will never see again the fire devours in front of them and behind them a flame burns before them the land is like the garden of eden but after them a desolate wilderness and nothing escapes them they have the appearance of horses they have the appearance of horses, horses. and like war horses they charge as with the rumbling of chariots i told the sound that the rumbling of chariots the leap on tops of the mountains like the crackling of a flame on the devouring the stubble like a powerful army drawn up for battle they will come like horses driven from battle before them people are in anguish all faces grow pale like warriors they charge like soldiers they scale the wall means people can't even go over forts or into palaces and they can go and say okay probably the locusts can't reach here these locusts can go everywhere and earth keeps to its own course they do not severe from their path they do not jostle one another each keeps to its own track they burst through the weapons and are not halted they leap upon the city you understanding they will come charging upon the city they'll run upon the walls they climb up into the houses they enter through the windows like a 
thief. I told there's no place you can hide. You cannot go bathroom, lock yourself up, go under your cup, you know, inside your cupboard or go under your bed or do like anything. They can come in through anywhere. The earth quakes before of them like it's like an earthquake. Means the, imagine the multitude of those houses. Horses, you know, even if you imagine like a charging of elephants come, you know, four fire elephants also come charging down. You can see the entire earth, like you can feel the jostle of it. Like, you know, imagine it's the millions of these horses which are coming. And the sun and moon are darkened and the star withdraws their light. The Lord utters his voice at the head of his army. How vast is his host? Numberless are those who obey his command. Truly, the Lord of the, the day of the Lord is great, terrible indeed. Who can? Endure it. So this is how it is going to be. And Joel wrote this in his times. And that will take place when the first war comes. So now the first war has passed. And we have still two more wars to come. So we'll read verse 13. Then the sixth angel blew his trumpet. And I heard a voice from the four horns of the golden altar before God. So now the fifth trumpet is blown. The first, second, third, fourth is over. Fifth, I spoke to you now. Now the sixth angel is taking and blowing his trumpet. And moment the sixth angel blows his trumpet, I heard a voice. I is John. He hears a voice from the four horns of the golden altar before God. Now I described you the heavenly scene. You remember the heavenly scene? Okay, the golden altar. And in that altar, you have under the altar all the souls of the people whose prayers are rising up as incense to God. And altar means four sides. And the four sides, they have four horns. Usually on earth, this altar signified where the blood of the atoning, is it atoning? The blood of the uh, slain animal is poured as an atonement for their sins. So the altar, when uh, God gave instructions of making the house of God, the altar was made. In the altar, there would be four horns, horns of an animal, like a similar to an animal, and they would cut the animal, and that blood would be poured onto the four horns. So it's signifying that the sins have been atoned for. So the altar has four horns. So from this four horns, in between these four horns, he hears a voice coming. And what is the voice saying? Saying to the sixth angel who had the trumpet, release the four angels who are bound at the great river Euphrates. So the voice is saying, probably the voice, they have not mentioned who the voice is, but we presume that the voice is voice of Jesus. Is the voice is voice of Jesus because he is the only one who is found worthy to open the seals, to give instructions, to tell the people what they are supposed to do. So the voice of Jesus is saying, go and release the four angels who are bound at the great river Euphrates. Now this river Euphrates has a great significance to play in the Old Testament as well as in the book of Revelation. If you go to Genesis 1, in the Garden of Eden, there was a river that was coming out. You go to there is Genesis uh, 2.10. 2.10. There is from the garden, a river is coming out. And that river flows out of Eden and it divides into four branches. Divides into four branches. The name are Pishon, Gihon, Tigris and Euphrates. Tigris and the last is what? Euphrates. Now this Pishon, Gihon and Tigris are almost ex- ex- extinct. 
there's no mention of much about its where it is but there is a mention of the river tigris and the river euphrates they say it is somewhere near turkey and you know this river exists and later on i'll come to it that when uh, uh, i think so book 16 the chapter 16 it will be told that this river will be you know commanded to be completely dried up the river euphrates will completely dry up so that god's work you know not god's work the devil's work will take place so this euphrates is very important if you take the river euphrates this is associated with the first sin what was the first sin what was the first sin in the world when adam and eve eve ate from the garden so genesis 2 10 14 is the first sin it happens just next to river euphrates it was in the garden of eden that eve was tempted by the serpent if you want to read you can read that genesis 2 verse 10 to 14 so before i go the tigris and euphrates are towards the east so probably pishon and gihon are towards the west these tigris so whenever you see east of the garden of eden it is always next to river euphrates you understand so it happened next to river euphrates so genesis 2 10 to 14 says what a river flowed out of eden to water the garden and there it divided and became four rivers the name of the first is the pishon it is the one that flowed around the whole land of havila where there is gold and the gold of that land is good the bdelium and onyx stones are there the name of the second river is the gihon it is the one that flowed around the whole land of kush and the name of the third river is the tigris which flows east of assyria and the fourth river is the euphrates and the e- and the, the garden of eden is most of the thing that is taking place in the garden of eden everything is along the river euphrates if you go ahead and you do a lot of research on this particular euphrates you will find that everything the other rivers are not given any significance you will probably only see that uh, second river no that uh, gihon mentioned once in the entire bible and but tigris is mentioned couple of times is only the river the great river that's why they call it the great river so the first sin was happened uh, next to river euphrates the first murder who was the first murder Cain was murdered. Sorry, Cain murdered Abel. That also happened in the river around the river Euphrates. That is Genesis 4:16. The first organized revolt against God. That is the Tower of Babel, where the people all came together and they decided to build a tower and they wanted to name it and they wanted to take it right up to heaven. Means they were saying that God is not a god. We are going to. build something and honor something and name something higher than god so when god looks at it he completely what does he do he confuses the people because at that point of time all of them are speaking one language so he says if this people continue doing this it is going against god because god has said that i am your god i am with you and so you have to be with me but now all these people got together and they are saying no we will make a tower and we will have a given name to it and that name will be above all names so because of that God had to confuse them and scatter them all over the earth and gave them different different tongues so that they got confused and they could not complete the tower of babel so the first organized revolt also that place where they did it was near the river euphrates and when god made his covenant with abraham 
before he became Abraham. When he gave him the covenant with Abraham, he tells him, to your descendants, I give this land from the river of Egypt to the great river, the river Euphrates. So everything in that river had great significance. It is all like even when God was giving the uh, people the, uh, the blessing that how long will your land be? Where it will, uh, till where the extent would be, they would always refer to the river Euphrates. Even the entire Roman Empire was built around this river Euphrates. So did you understand this? Okay. So we go to the next verse. And, and release the four angels who are who are bound at the great river Euphrates. Now who are these four angels? There are four angels who are bound at the river Euphrates. Go back to again Genesis. What happened when Adam and Eve sinned? You told about the tree of life. Tree of life, yes. So the tree of life, God had to protect the tree of life so that because anyone who would eat the tree of life, they would live for ever. They would not die. Now, they were eating of the tree of life but that time they were in a sinless state. So they would continue to live forever. But moment they ate the fruit and sin entered into them, now they are in a sinful nature and having this nature, if they ate of the tree of life, they would continue in their sinful nature forever. So God would not be able to bring salvation into them because that is the law of God. Once it is placed, it is placed. So even by chance, if Adam and Eve while walking out of the Garden of Eden, when they were banished, just took their hand and took that fruit and they ate of it, they would remain in the sinful state forever. So prevent that happening. God put cherubims there. He put his angels called as cherubims. Now cherub is a singular. Cherubim is a plural. Cherubims is a plural. The word of God says when you go to Genesis 4, it says he placed his cherubims guarding the tree of life. All the corners. So how many corners are there? Four corners. The north, south, east and west. So it makes sense like the tree of life is over here. So there is a cherubim placed over here. There is a cherubim placed over here. The cherubim placed over here. There is a cherubim placed over here so that it is completely guarded and protected on all sides so that no one by mistake can come and eat of this fruit. And this is before the earth was completely destroyed by flood. The garden of Eden was like that. But once uh, the whole world, uh, world was destroyed by Noah, the entire dynamics changed. The garden of Eden no longer existed where it was made. The garden of Eden completely changed its position and now this garden of Eden or this tree of life is right under the river Euphrates. Right under, deep down under the river Euphrates is this tree of life and the four angels are still guarding the tree of life over there. And for a day and a time such as this, God will now command their job from the creation, like from Genesis 4, that has been their job to guard the tree of life. From that time to the book of Revelation, they have been guarding the tree of life. But they have been guarding and they have another duty to do. We'll read that next. You go to the next verse. Yeah, Revelation 9 verse 14, 14, 15. So the four angels who had been prepared for the hour, the day, the month and the year were released to kill a third of mankind. So these four angels were given the authority to go and kill 
third of mankind. These are the four angels who will come out. So if they are going to come out, the tree of life will be guarded by somebody else. Surely God will not leave the tree of life unguarded. So somebody else will take authority of the tree of life. And these four angels come out from under the river Euphrates and they will come out and they are given the authority. Now you go and massacre, kill the first four. They could not kill anybody. They could torment, they could torture, but they could not kill. But now they are given the authority to kill one third of mankind. So shall we read ahead? The number of mounted troops was twice 10,000 times 10,000. I heard their number. So the number of the troops means these angels, four angels are coming with a troop. They are coming with an army and that amounts to 200 million people. That amounts to 200 million army is coming to massacre uh, the one third of mankind. Now, just imagine, I just did some research and found out what is the population of the world today. The population of the world today is now, it is around 7.6 billion. It's seven. I'm just giving a rough idea. This is not true because this many people will not be available, available at that time because people should have raptured. Okay. Are you looking at me? Are you understanding? I'm just giving a rough idea to give you an idea of how it will be. So if most of the people should be raptured by that time, right? If you believe in Christ, you're raptured, you're not here. But suppose I say, I'm taking June uh, in 2018, the population of the world is around 6, 7.6 billion. So one third of that would be how much? Around 2.5 billion people. And one billion is equal to how many millions? One billion is equal to how many millions? Thousand millions. One billion is equal to thousand millions. So there are how many people now? 2.5 billion. So 2.5 into 1000 will be 2500 million people. A little calculation, what do we say? So around 2500 million people are going to be killed by 200 million army. Did you understand? That many people will come. You know, even when they did a census of the Second World War, that was the biggest war that was ever fought for six years between 1939 to 1945 was the Second World War fought. And they counted the number of troops for this entire six years among both the people who fought and they were fighting against. The entire troop came only up to 70 million people. Over a period of six years, this is instant judgment, 200 million of the army will come down onto the earth to kill one third of the that will be something which is unimaginable and most of the people think that these things are not uh, an army of people they are probably a mechanized uh, assault they think it's a machinery assault because they cannot imagine 200 million is a huge amount. So they think it's a mechanized assault. But I say, why would God, why would John describe? If he had seen a huge tank, you say, he could have said it is a tank. But you know how he describes? We'll come ahead. Come, go ahead. Read ahead how he describes the... And uh, And this is how I saw the horses in my vision and those who rode them. They wore breastplates, the color of fire and of sapphire and of sulfur. And the heads of the horses 
were like lions' heads, and fire and smoke and sulphur came out of their mouths. Okay, so now he is describing the the army, the troop. So the troop is like what? It's like horses in my vision. He's seeing that he's seeing is in a vision. He says the horses and the horses were ridden by riders. So there is someone sitting on the horse's back, and those riders were wearing breastplates and the color of the of fire and sapphire what is the color of fire red sapphire is also re- red sapphire is blue sorry re- red blue and of sulfur sulfur is yellow okay so these breastplates are uh, color of red blue and yellow some of them interpret that it is a flag of a particular country or it is the significance of a particular country so it is that country which will come against since i did a lot of research and i couldn't find anything that could signify that it could be one of the theories but i don't think that is the actual theory so i cannot propagate that and but this is what it means is fire flame fire and destruction basically this red blue and yellow they signify flame fire and destruction and he is also describing the shape or the the structure of the horses what they were like they had heads like lion and they had what coming out of their mouth now have you seen dragon movies have you seen instantly what do you think about us the dragon movies right and when these dragons are going in war and they just blow and what you can see from the nostrils and everything from the mouth the smoke is coming fire is coming gushing out from the mouth from the ears and everywhere so something similar to that if he could describe locust why could it not be an animal like this like an animal like a dinosaur or a dragon or someone and the dragon is coming down so it's probably not a mechanized mechanized warfare this is actually another horrible looking you know huge giant of a, a dinosaur kind of or a dragon kind of an animal that is coming onto the earth and bringing out all these things so these th- three things what they will do you read by these three plagues a third of mankind was killed by the fire and smoke and sulfur coming out of their mouths so how did they kill by the fire smoke and sulfur by fire means when the fire comes out everything that is catches fire people are going to die and there will be massive fires all over the world and the smoke will come so people will suffocate and they will die and sulfur what is sulfur basically sulfur is a kind of a Uh, brimstone yes and that is found near volcanoes main main content of volcanoes so it's a prop it's a thing three things will happen there will be massive fires like the whole uh, you know mountains and the places and everything will catch fire and the fire will cause a lot of smoke so people are going to choke and die and there will be lots of volcanoes and from this volcanoes the sulfur come out so people will volcano will kill you the fire will kill you the smoke will kill you so they will die directly because of these three things fire smoke and volcanoes and for the and uh, for the power of the horses is in their mouths and in their tails the tails are like serpents having heads and with them they inflict harm and the horses their whole power was in the mouth because they were blowing fire through the mouth but in the tail the tail is very funny he is described the tail shape is like that of a serpent and that with that it will inflict harm so this is the description of the animal that is going to come arise and this animal is given the authority to kill one third of mankind 
and the rest of humankind who were not killed by these plagues did not repent of the works of their hands or give up worshiping demons and idols of gold and silver and bronze and stone and wood which cannot see or hear or walk in spite of this massacre that is taking place in the world god still says people did not repent people did not repent why why did they not repent when we see something wrong happening suppose somebody just falls sick in your house you know and then you go to god and you say like probably something has gone wrong lord i'm forgive forgive me you know lord just forgive me something has gone wrong in my family if i have spoken something against you about anybody or anybody just lord forgive me make my child all right don't be the fear just hits in somebody just falls sick now this is just not simple fear this is massive scale total chaos and destruction and you know fury of a kind people are dying but still this people who do not die who do not die two third don't die two third of the people are still alive but they do not repent why will they not repent no god did not want them to repent god does not want them to repent why he does not want them to repent he wants to punish he is not coming now as a god that you repent and you will change he sent that 144000 to work on them they are working but god is giving his judgment i am punishing you someone commits a rape someone commits a murder someone is given a sentence death sentence why is the sentence given so that the person will change you give them a death sentence will the person change you're punishing them you're taking their life they're not gone there to change they're going to die so same way god here is also giving his unabashed fury on the people who never believed him he gave them chances all through the bible he spoke to them he sent his people he sent his son still he sent his disciples he sent everyone change your heart believe just believe in me he didn't ask people to do anything great he said just believe in me just believe in my son of what he has done but you people have not changed you continue doing the wrong things and i will mention the the wrong things that he is talking about the first thing is they did not repent of the works of their hands they did not the who are these people who did not repent of the works of their hands what are the hands doing doing evil bribing cheating the hands are the hands god has given to do his work but the same hands are doing everything evil these are the people who are not repenting or who give worshiping de- demons and idols god hates it he is a true god how can you go against the true god and worship idols or demons satanic worshipers worshipers believing in you know anything that is on the earth you are worshiping them so god is not going to be you know it's okay let it be fine they will change he gave them chances so long but now when he is going to come is not going to come as a you know a god who is willing to forgive here he is the punishing god you have done wrong i gave you chances you didn't change now you face my fury that's fine the two third of the population will not repent because their heart was hardened by god himself are you understanding they have to go like suppose sometimes we see now we see so many cases happening you know in bangalore sometimes we think you know the best punishment would just kill them like they have in saudi maybe just kill one or two of the people then they will not this people will get scared and they will not commit the crime again but we don't do that we put them in the jail for one year two year three years five years and our jails are such that reforms don't take place they go back you know people are trying i'm not saying all the jails are bad but most by and large they come back as they went on a criminal they come back out as a criminal and go and commit the same crime again so sometime what god says i need to kill he also killed sodom and gomorrah you remember and what was the sin that he killed them for for the sin of sexual immorality because the whole uh, population you think why would god a good god kill babies suckling children a small lamb 
What did they do? Why the animals? Because there was bestiality. Why? What is the bestiality? Having sex with an animal. All those sins was permeated that everything that God had created had become evil. Not only man, but even the animals had become evil. So he had to destroy everything. And that was a good so that the generation which comes after that will not be like that. So that is a harsh judgment of God. And here it is a similar, a very harsh punishment from God. He's not doing it, okay, look at the fury and Lord, I'm sorry. He's not doing it like that. He says, you need to be punished and I am punishing you. I am punishing you. And those who survive, those one third who died are lucky. Because now the two third will go through worse crisis. So God is not coming as a gentle God. He's coming in as a punishing God. And then he says the fun, the first thing is the hand that is you no know, work of the hands did not repent of the work of the hands. And those are worshipping demons and idols of gold and silver and bronze and stone and wood. He's telling of so many things he's ashamed. I made the gold, I made the bronze, I made the silver, I made the wood. And instead of worshipping me, you're worshipping this. These things, they don't have life. People are worshipping all around us. What are we doing about it? I didn't say that we need to go and fight with them. We're not called to fight, we're not called to judge. But we can give them the word. Do you want any of your neighbors or your friends to go through this? Do you want them to go through this? If you don't want them to go through this, and it is our duty, it is our duty that we should give the knowledge of the true God to them. Otherwise, we will be held accountable for what we did not do. There is a sin of commission, there is a sin of omission too. We omitted speaking about God to the people. And more than speaking, living a life of a Christian, you go into any workplace, your hands should be clean. Do not bribe. The whole world bribes, whole world cheats, whole world does everything evil. But I am a child of God. I will not use this hand to do anything evil. My hand is used only for God and for His work. I will not bribe, I will not cheat, I will not speak evil. Because you should remember. You have to remember this all the time. And the second is, he talks about worshipping demons and idols. And the third, he speaks about who do not, and they do not repent of their murders or their sorceries. Murders is what? Murders means none of us might have gone and murdered, but there are so many Christians who are murdering their children. Abortions are taking place every time. That's a murder. That's an absolute murder which is happening. Rampant and no one thinks it is wrong. It's just a cell. Just a cell. It's not a cell. It is a life. And you have no authority to put it there. So you have no authority to take it from there. If you have a miscarriage or you lose your baby, that's a different thing. But if you willfully aborted your child, repent and ask for forgiveness because then you become a murderer. You become a murderer. You have no authority. This never came from you. I have, you know, so many patients who come to me where everything is right with the husband. Everything is right with the wife, but they have no kids. They have no kids. Always a child is a gift from God. And no one, I tell you, no one has the authority to kill. You become a murderer. And God is putting them on the same level as sorcerers and the fornication or the theft. Two more things. Fornication. Fornication is pre-marital sex. Fornication is pre-marital sex. God is saying it's not from God. God has not given anyone to uh, to get into any kind of a relationship unless they come under the covenant of matrimony. But now what you see, the people are just, you know, live in relationship have blossomed everywhere. Everywhere you see, people just get together. Okay, we'll try it out for a couple of years, couple of months. We click, fine, great. We don't click. 
you go your way i go my own way i'll find somebody else you find somebody else and then that entire culture goes on and god says this is fornication and i hate it abhor it you are equal to a murderer you are equal to a murderer so he hates people indulging in any kind of this relationship before they are married that's why god made a beautiful sacrament of matrimony and that matrimony only under that covenant of matrimony will this relationship work and if that matrimony does not happen in the church this is not a marriage that is blessed by god it still becomes it's not from god you understand so many people now are doing marriages register marriages or they're having marriages where they're getting the people to some minister to come and minister to no it's not from god you are living in a totally immoral relationship and your children are being born in that and then you can see how the curse will multiply in that family marriages have to take place inside the church blessed by the priest and the priest stand there as god and your marriage is between you your husband and god god has to be part of the equation if god is not part of the equation that marriage is not from god then if you are living in that relationship you are doing the same thing as fornicators are doing so god comes down very heavily so he is against what you do with your hand he is against your worshiping idols he is against you you know fornicating he is against the murders and he is also against theft he is against the theft sometimes we think you know it's just a pencil in the in the office like just a pencil just a rubber i'm not stealing the bank i'm not uh, you know going and uh, robbing the bank or i'm not going to you know robbing my friends jewelries or anything but that rubber or that pencil belongs to the company it does not belong to you always remember always remember when you go to the office you're working what is given to you belongs to you if the company allows you to take it to your house and use it fine but if it is not in the in the law of the company it is their property it is their property use it and leave it there i'll tell you why because when you are faithful in little god will you will be faithful in much and only when god sees you being faithful in little will he bless you with much many people are not seeing promotion in their life because God has not seen them being faithful with what little he has blessed them with people want much in their life they want to go high in their life they want promotions they want bigger houses big so many big things but God says first if you are faithful in little thing then will i bless you with little more and you are faithful in little more i'll bless you with little much then i'll bless you with much your growth is not happening because you are not faithful in little always remember it's not a question of a pencil or a rubber insignificant whether it's 50 paisa or 50000 rupees does not matter it's not yours don't touch it don't ever touch it what is not yours don't touch you understanding so god is says no he's hardened their hearts because of theft because of fornication because of murders because of what they do with their hands and worshiping false gods so these two third of the population will now go in for the further punishment or the wrath of god this is the wrath of god god is not saying okay let them change probably they need to change no he is not talking he is punishing he is punishing the people amen, amen. praise god did you understand yes okay 5 10 minutes any questions i can just take it's too too serious all of you became uh, very strong faces yeah yeah did you understood he asked me to go very slow actually i got a good you know rapping from god because i was speeding through the book of revelation so he said slow down he's a little leaner slow down just go slow i said lord i need to finish 22 chapters who asked you to finish it i didn't ask you to finish it i said you teach you have to go in a way that my children can understand so i'm going slow but i hope you understand it was made easy to understand yes 
yeah, what I taught today, yeah. So the previous teachings are also will be on YouTube very recently, next two weeks. I think most of the teachings will go on to YouTube. But if you have any questions pertaining to this, please, we can clear the doubts. Any question? I, I think so. Anaira, you asked me a good question last time. You asked, the grass was already dried up in the first. What is God talk, talking about, right? Did you ask? You forgot? I don't forget. I go back and somebody, one question, it will start triggering my mind. You told when the grass was already burnt, what, why is God telling? He is not to touch the grass of the earth. Okay. What you told was in the first trumpet, he said that the first uh, angel blew his trumpet and there came hail and fire mixed with blood and they were hurled to the earth and a third of the earth was burnt up and a third of the trees were burnt up and all green grass was burnt up. Which grass was burnt up? Only the green grass was burnt up. So the remaining grass, which is not green in color, are still existing. Even I thought, because I told you, a very good question you asked, and I said, yes, I should, because God does not, every word in the Bible has a meaning. So if God meant it, there has to be something. So I went back, and you know, I started reading about it, and I said, you know, God was saying, just read it properly, read it carefully, read it again and again. So when I read, here it is mentioned, the green grass. Here what is mentioned? grass. So the grass which is not green in color, all the other grass is is the one which was affected. Yeah, anybody else? It's good to ask questions because it will help me also learn, help others also learn in the process. No questions? So you understood everything? Everything you understood? No doubts? Absolutely. No doubts? Yes? Which one? Verse, uh, chapter 9, verse 21. And they did not repent of their murders or their sorceries or their fornication or their threat. That one only? Yes. What is written in your Bible, Kana? Yeah, sorcery is magic. Sorcery is witchcraft and magic. People doing, going to the, yeah, black magic, white magic, yellow magic, all magics they do. People go to them and they sit, I want to see my future. They go to the mediums. They'll say, get the spirit of this person. Bring them down. I want to talk to them. I want to see my husband. I want to see my aunt. I want to see my mother. So they use the agent of spirits. You know, so they're all demonic spirits. They are real. People are still doing that. Many Catholics also do that. Then going for tarot, card reading, all those things are all black magic. All wrong things. So witchcraft. I have taught on witchcraft an entire session. And so you read that, you will get much understanding. So sorcery and all that is part of that satanic kind of worship. Uh, you go to the, you know, the person sitting on the road with the parrots, and he pulls out a couple of, uh, and he says, "This is your future, right?" He's one card. The parrot will pick and give it in that person's hand. All this is then candle reading. Yeah, yes. He had hardened, who had hardened Pharaoh's heart? If you go back to the book of uh, uh, Exodus, and uh, Moses and Aaron are going in front of Potiphar, and they are you know, pleading to Potiphar, let my people go. In that verse it is written, God hardened Pharaoh's heart. Why would a good God harden somebody's heart? Why? Because if you take in the entire picture, like if you take the whole from Genesis to Revelation and you put it as a big puzzle together and we are putting little, little, little things here and there, little, little things over here. So if this thing has to happen, the previous thing has to fit in the proper way. 
for god the plan was to bring his son bring his son on earth and if that that thing had to happen some of the sequences have to fall into place so god himself is written he has to harden potiphar's heart so that the people would get to see the glory of the god no he, not two three people are going to leave egypt and go it was 40 million people or someone had to go out how would they suddenly leave their house their family you know uh, their neighbors their uh, the flocks and the land that they have lived for hundreds of years they have to go out so they had to see the glory of this god that they are going to follow and that glory could be revealed only if potiphar could be hardened if potiphar had melted the first time itself then this other plagues would not take place but for his glory to be revealed god had to harden potiphar's heart god also hardened judas's heart that is the new testament god also hardened judas's heart because his son had to die someone had to betray him but the truth is even at the eneth moment if judas had just asked forgiveness and come back to god god would have pardoned him but he didn't come back to god he ran away from god so though god had hardened his heart there also was a place given for him to come back to god but he did not repent and come back he went away jesus spent most of the time with judas only among all the disciples that he had he spent most of his time with judas because he knew judas is going to betray him but he wanted to teach him that my grace is sufficient for you i know you are going to fall you will fall in the pit you are going to commit a mistake but always remember i am there i will forgive you but he didn't get that he didn't catch that so that when he made the mistake he did not come back running to god and saying lord i'm sorry forgive me god would have instantly forgiven him and taken him to heaven but he ran again ran away and he committed suicide you understand so that is god has to harden the people sometimes just so that the sequence would flow into way and so that the people would see the glory of god <coughs> the first death is the people will go sister the dead will rise in christ too that means those who have been buried from that those are not living at that time like all of us suppose we were dead we are dead we are in a grave we have not gone into heaven we are not gone into hell many will be dead those will be risen to christ suppose i die i am in complete union with god no sin absolutely nothing wrong i am straight away taken into god's presence that happens some people don't neither so they will be taken up those have not gone up Yeah yeah those those are all demonic movies that's why when the uh, Harry Potter movie was released the pope announced no that please don't go watch but what did we do we sent our children to the theaters go watch everybody says harry is the best movie it has got this it's got that and all because it's dealing with all those you know demonic powers of of sorcery how they go into those realms they are evil you can see the serpent and all those things are all the demonic realm demonic realm which is very real so we do not want to expose our children to the demonic realm don't touch it don't play with fire you will get burnt right touch fire or let me touch then only i will see do you do that no no we see it's fire if i touch i'll get burnt same way this is a realm of so much of evil so the fathers the leaders of the church know this is evil but our children think that it is just a movie it is just some fun thing so let me just go there through that they can be demonically affected the demons can through come to the tv they can come through the screen they can come through the music you hear so you will get afflicted that's why the it is told not to watch such movies so these are all part of that this is also part of witchcraft the entire movie is based on witchcraft but it's a big hit and this lady who was such a popper she became a millionaire the one who wrote this uh, 
yeah, she was a pauper, didn't have money for her next meal, and when she wrote this book, now she's a multimillionaire. Yes. Yes, yes. It's only 144,000 people. And these are the Israelites who have already dead and gone in the, in the Old Testament. They are in heaven. They will be sent down to earth with a mark on the forehead. Not from any living people on earth. They are not like... We will be raptured. Immediately they are sealed and come down, we will be raptured. So we will not go through all this. That is in the previous chapter. When I teach, it is completely explained there, sister. You were not there for the teaching. Yeah, I missed it. When we will put it on, you will come to know. They are not from the people who are present at this time that they are sealed. These are the people who have died and gone from the 12 tribes. They are from the 12 tribes, but they are not living. They are all dead. Yeah. There is only one, uh, one lady who is mentioned from the tribe of Asher who's, uh, who was uh, mentioned in the New Testament. So there is no way in the New Testament that you can find 1,44,000 Jews. Euphrates. The tree of life is definitely there, huh? Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of research going on with where the Garden of Eden. Now they say somebody says it's near Bahrain, some people say it's near Turkey. They say yeah, it's near Iraq. They have done because those rivers, especially Tigris and Euphrates. If you see the flow of those rivers now at this time, they are all surrounding this around the three, you know, uh, Turkey, uh, Iraq, and uh, Bahrain. These are the main places in near Saudi where these uh, rivers are there. So, uh, with calculation that the Garden of Eden has gone down under River Euphrates because all the other rivers are insignificant. Tigris and a little portion of Tigris is there, and Euphrates is there. And Euphrates also, you will see that later on that this entire. Uh, river which is visible now will also be dried up it will be completely dried up so that the army can come marching through so a portion of the river, river is not only what you see on top right, river goes thousands of kilometers down so deep down is the tree of life and that is guarded by the four angels the exact position no one can go so deep down and search but with calculations they have come to with a lot of study of all these years they have come to the research that it is most probably present under the river Euphrates. Yes? Anything else? One last question if anybody has, otherwise we will wind up. Yes, Ranjita. That's why they, they have the sacrament of confession. They have the sacrament of going to God. God is a good God. If he asks, repent, no, God forgives. If you don't repent, then we'll only be paying the price for the sins that we have not repented. When we repent, people have done idol worship, you've done things wrong, even fornication or whatever, whatever mistake has happened in the past of lack of knowledge, didn't know the truth. So now you repent and ask God, whatever sin you might have committed. God says, I'll make you clean as snow. But the people who don't repent, 
who refuse, God sends, talks, melts your heart, sends you people. But he says, I'm not going to change. I'll continue doing the same. For them, the punishment is there. Yeah, that's okay. That is, that's why we have the confession. We go confess, we are set free. You should. Pope also goes for confession once in 15 days. Once in 15 days, Pope goes for confession. So we are also called to confess. Many uh, the uh, sisters who became saints confess every day. Because you may think, no, maybe we don't speak negative, but our thoughts may be negative. That's why confession is very... That's why the people go for confession once in 3-4 years, 10 years. They don't go. You, and by the time you go 10th year, you do not know what you did the last 9 years. It all goes out of mind. So out of mind, out of sight, out of thought. So you have not confessed, but God remembers everything. And for those sins, we will have to give an account. That's why the frequently you go, you will be able to, you know, remember, confess, and get uh, a forgiveness or for your cleanse your sins. But God doesn't remember anything. If you if you ask forgiveness, God forgives. He is a very good God. But only those unrepentant hearts is who still stay. I will not change. They will go through the punishment. Amen.